Welcome to the Gifts for Glory podcast, where we celebrate and promote men and women using their gifts for God's glory. Know someone who is making an impact for God's kingdom using their gifts, talents, and passions? We'd love to meet them. Send us an email at podcast at giftsforglory.com. That's podcast at gifts, the number four, glory.com. And now here is our host, Dave Ebert. Good evening, friends and neighbors. Welcome to the latest edition of Gifts for Glory podcast. Uh, we're actually going to uh, call a mulligan. Uh, I had some uh, technical issues on our Monday podcast, and uh, so we're going to do it all over again. I'm really excited to have uh, my friend, our uh, associate pastor at Thrive Church, uh, Rikers Alameda, uh, joining us. Uh, really looking forward to uh, redoing this conversation and giving you a better chance to learn his story and also learn a little bit more about Thrive Church. So if you're in the Chicagoland area, uh, we would love to see you each Sunday at 10. Uh, find us at EncounterThrive.com. Now, the ticker you see going across the bottom, that is a, uh, a reminder. Uh, we have a, a really a fun night planned on November 6th. We're going to be at the Roxy Theater in Lockport, Illinois, uh, 7.30 uh, p.m. We're going to have some improv. We're going to have all kinds of comedy. Just a great night for the family to get out, have some fun. Uh, so we hope that uh, uh, if you're in the Chicagoland area, you can uh, make plans to join us on November 6th. Uh, it's the um, RFK Comedy Night, Thanks for Giving, uh, starring Wellverse Comedy, which is the uh, improv ministry team of uh, Gifts for Glory. Uh, also, some special guests and, and people from the community. Uh, we got some more details we're working out, but uh, we hope that uh, you can make it. All proceeds go to uh, Royal Family Kids and the, uh, the Lockport Camp happening in July of 2022. Um, and every dollar helps. Every dollar uh, goes a long way to help uh, support these kids. And give them just an amazing experience. And that's what Royal Family Kids is all about. Uh, check out uh, RFK Lockport, Illinois. And the, uh, the cool stuff that we're doing uh, for kids who are in the foster care system, we just give them a week where they are, are treated like royalty. So we hope that you'll be able to support. And even if you can't come, if you can't make it, uh, you can uh, uh, donate towards uh, the show. Um, you can buy tickets that we can pass on and, uh, um, and, and pay it forward. Uh, or uh, you can just make a donation stri uh, straight to Royal Family Kids. So we hope that uh, you consider that and consider uh, sponsoring that uh, coming up on November 6th, which is in uh, just under two weeks away. So we hope to see you there. Uh, now let's move on to our Devotions with Dave segment. Now, if you joined us on Monday, uh, we're going to uh, do the same uh, passage, but I wanted to just do it again because I think it's so important, especially as we honor uh, uh, Associate Pastor Rikers Alameda, uh, tonight and uh, again a tip of the hat uh, a few weeks ago to Brian uh, Bauer who joined us who's the uh, lead pastor at Thrive and want to encourage everybody that watches the show uh, feel free to leave a comment and shout out some love to, to your pastor because uh, it's pastor appreciation month and uh, sometimes uh, it can be a very thankless work uh, so we want to uh, pay tribute to them and remind ourselves that uh, Ephesians 4 11 and 12 reminds us that now these are the gifts Christ gives to uh, the church uh, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers, their responsibility to equip people to do the, uh, his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Now, it's not their job entirely to go out, build the church, and make it grow and make it successful. Their job is to equip us, the people sitting in the pews, the people sitting in the seats, to equip us to go out and do the good work. Uh, their job is to be faithful in what God has called them to, and then our job is to do the same thing and come to church be equipped, be emboldened, uh, be encouraged. And that's what a pastor's job, that's what the teachers, the evangelists, the prophets, that they're all, their job is to equip us, the people that are sitting there in the pew, to go out and take the church from the building where we meet and take the church to the world. Uh, church doesn't end at 12 o'clock on Sunday when you get to the parking lot. Church needs to be 24-7. We need to take it from the pews out to the people. And bring the people back to church so that they can be encouraged, uh, lifted up, and uh, educated for the good works that God has called us to. So that is our Devotions with Dave segment. Uh, really a powerful passage and really a great reminder of what, uh, you know, that, that there are a lot of things that God has called us to do. Uh, so with that said, I want to bring in our guest at this time, uh, Riker Zalameda. Uh, Riker. Welcome to the Gifts of Glory podcast, or welcome back, I should say. Yeah, round two. Round two. Thanks for having me back again. <laughs> oh, no, no problem. Uh, got a great connection. Uh, the storm is trying to interfere, but I think we're going to survive. And yeah. uh, 
So, uh, Riker, uh, let's uh, jump right in. Um, how did you end up as uh, our associate pastor at Thrive? Uh, kind of walk us through your journey in pastor, past in the pastorate, and as a worship pastor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, I've been involved in ministry um, for as long as I can remember. Uh, really, from a from a pretty early age, uh, it was always uh, worship ministry that I was involved in. And I actually essentially apprenticed under Pastor Brian, our, our lead pastor, back at our previous uh, church in the south suburbs of Chicago. Um, and so we, we did that for, actually, I don't know how, how many years off the top of my head, but um, he, he stepped in as, um, as the worship pastor there. And I was already on team serving regularly. Mm -hmm. So I kind of helped in that transition. And I learned a, a ton from him in, in that season. Um, and then... Uh, when he uh, felt the, a very strong call that it was the right time to to plant um, something that was already on his heart, um, you know, for for a long time, um, my wife and I, or my at that point fiance and I, were trying to figure out what God had for us, where He was leading us, and um, He made it fairly clear that uh, that He was planting us here in this season and uh to minister uh, alongside pastor brian and angela and, and and serve at thrive um so yeah that's uh that's i started out as a worship leader at thrive and only recently uh, moved into uh the position of associate pastor and taking on a few more um you know responsibilities and and roles in terms of discipleship uh, mentoring some ministry oversight those those sorts of things um, as, a, uh, now the associate pastor, do you have like aspirations or do you feel God's calling you to be a lead or, uh, do you think, and I, I'm not trying to cause like controversy within Thrive, but, uh, do you, do you feel like God's calling you to a higher position or do you think you're, um, at where God's got your ceiling at? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, Dave, I didn't even think that I would be in the pastorate. Um, <laughs> so it's one of those things where it's like, I'm just kind of along for the ride, just trying to see where God is is taking it. I'm, I'm not trying to avoid controversy. I'm just <laughs> flatly right. saying, um, cause man, I, yeah. If you asked me six, seven years ago where I thought that I would be, you know, serving or what capacity I'd be serving in never would have, I would I have guessed that it would be in, you know, as a head of a worship ministry or, you know, now as an associate pastor. Um, so who knows, <laughs> honestly, it, 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 God is very funny with that. Sometimes he reveals a full story. Other times he uh, kind of uh, lets us go step at a time. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's really cool to see how God works in different ways as far as like how he reaches out to us. Um, so uh, tell us a little bit about uh, your podcast, um, Questions from the Pew. Mm -hmm. uh, how did that get started? And uh, we'll also talk a little bit about uh, the issue, the uh, episode that I really enjoyed and appreciated uh, uh, about uh, Pray Away. So uh, tell mm -hmm. us a little bit about uh, the podcast. Yeah, uh, as you mentioned, the name of the podcast is Questions from the Pew. Uh, our tagline is the intersection of faith and culture. Um, kind of like how you were saying earlier, you know, the, the church doesn't end on that Sunday morning, but it, it continues uh, in the weekend and week out day to day activities, um, you know, of uh, of the congregation, uh, of the believers who go out into their workplaces, who serve their families, who interact with, you know, strangers um, on, on, on the side of the road, wherever God takes them, right? And so those same people have questions. Um, mm -hmm. and, and maybe those questions aren't being addressed um, by the by the pastorate from the pulpit, whether it's, be I'm, not, I'm not even saying because, you know, pastors are you know, not stepping up to the plane and addressing important issues, but sometimes it, the topics or questions that they have um, might not be best addressed from the pulpit. Um, right. um, and so we wanted to have a, a platform where we address those questions uh, wherever they're coming from and um, for whatever reason people are asking them. And we wanted to talk about them, maybe not to to provide clear-cut answers, we, we like to say we're not called answers from the pew. Uh, we're called questions uh, from the pew. Even when we have um, our end-of-season um, kind of recap episodes where we take uh, additional questions, we call them question and response, not question and answer, because we're not... Uh, we're, we're not experts in each of the topics that we cover, but we hopefully are engaging 
uh, those questions in a meaningful and a thoughtful and a theologically and biblically faithful uh, way um, so that, uh, yeah, people can take those uh, conversations, take those responses and um, bring them um, with them wherever God is taking them and, and minister effectively in those contexts, whether, whether or not they see it as a as a ministry at all. But hopefully, you know, that's that that's our goal. And I and I think that too often the questions go unanswered because we've become so divided. And uh, even within the church, there's like the uh, the right wing, the left wing, and we're all like in our boxes and we're not ready to have those in-depth conversations. And uh, now I'm guessing that you and your co-host, you guys uh, probably have some differences on, on beliefs or on doctrine. Uh, does that ever come up or is that ever a challenge in being a podcast co-host? Yeah, thankfully, that's not come up to a, a boiling point. Um, I mean, we have the normal, you know, the different vantage points, but I wouldn't say there are disagreements. Um, we both come from similar church backgrounds. We both grew up uh, in the church. We actually were floor mates at Moody when we were in undergrad, and we worked together uh, at Moody as well for, for a few years. So uh, we agree on a lot, if not the majority of the things that we talk about. We might come at it from a different angle or anything like that. Uh, but those are secondary uh, issues and not certainly not anything to to break, uh, you know, to break fellowship uh, over. Right. Yeah. And really, if you think about it, as long as Jesus is first, there should never be a reason that there's a break in the fellowship over disagreements. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I think at least not a permanent one. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, if, you know, you look at Paul and Barnabas, they, they split up because of personnel uh, decisions, mm -hmm. but eventually they came back around and, and, and it's, it, like you said, it should never be a permanent split because we're, we're given a ministry of reconciliation. Um, so that's, that's important to always keep in mind whenever you have a disagreement over uh, theology or mm -hmm. doctrine. Um, but for those that are listening, uh, the, uh, the link to the podcast is, at worldoutspoken.com slash questions from the pew with a hyphen in between each of those words. So worldoutspoken.com slash questions from the pew. Long uh, URL, but <laughs> what's that? It's a long link, but uh, yeah. yeah, it's, it's, um, so it's basically we're a part of, uh, of a, a larger ministry network. And so we're one of the podcasts. So that's why it's a longer link than usual. <laughs> And uh, anybody can find it in the show notes of, uh, of our podcast, whether you're watching or listening. And uh, for those that are joining us live right now, I'm going to share the, uh, the link in the, uh, the comments as well so that you can link directly to that. Um, so the, uh, the biggest part or one of my favorite parts about the District um, Glory podcast is we always ask for your testimony. Um, so I know that uh, from our previous conversation, you kind of grew up in the church. Uh, but tell us again your your story. How did Jesus finally get a hold of you? How was Jesus? Um, how did Jesus become your personal savior as opposed to being the savior of your family? Sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, that last statement, the savior of my family, is certainly the case <laughs> uh, for my family. Yeah. Uh, my parents got saved while they were in college, um, so um, fairly. I mean. And so when I came uh, into the picture, they, they already had a foundation of, um, of following Christ. Uh, so I'm, I'm really thankful uh, in that respect uh, that they really created a home environment that um, enabled me to grow into my faith while never feeling the pressure uh, that I think um, people may be in, in a similar situation that I was in. Um, that pressure that they feel to to carry on the faith of their parents uh, while maybe not believing the same things as their parents. Uh, um, and so so yeah, I am thankful that they um, that they created that kind of environment at home. And um, in high school, I actually drifted fairly um, fairly far from the church. I didn't dive into a headlong into a life of sin or anything like that, but it was just a season of, um, of, of distance, uh, mm. of a distance, not only from God, but also from even attending church regularly, that sort of thing. Um, and it wasn't until, uh, my second half of the, my junior year of high school into my senior year that 
God really got a hold of my life. And, and it wasn't a, a one moment sort of uh, situation where, you know, all of a sudden an epiphany that God is real and that I can trust him sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But it was more so retrospective in terms of I, I was just looking back and seeing his faithfulness, seeing the kind of faith that my parents had and instilled in me from a young age. And then comparing that with, sorry, I should, I should have backed up. And I said, the last three years of high school for me were spent at a, at a college prep school. Um, mm-hmm. And so there were kids there and there was a, you know, a couple of, there were a couple of Christian clubs there, but the majority of those kids did not act like Christians. And so there was a disconnect for me. There was a mental disconnect. Like these kids are professing to be followers of Christ and they're, you know, taunting, uh, they're, they're, they're advertising for these Christian clubs on campus, but their actions speak different. Right. Uh, and so that's, that's really what kind of spurred things for me. It's like, okay, what do I believe? Am I gonna be, um, you know, that lukewarm, wishy-washy, waffling kind of person who just claims a, a sort of cultural Christianity? Or am I really going to, um, you know, believe in this stuff? And and again, that retrospective look of of God's faithfulness and seeing how he, 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 he allowed me not to, again, dive into a, a, a life of sin and rebellion, but that was uh yeah that was when it changed for me it's like okay no i need this is this stuff is real and he's shown himself faithful in the past and i can trust him Mm. and um and so it was uh but even then it was a kind of growing commitment it's not like 100 percent, you know the day after i was you know full on fire for god but it was a lot of growing pains uh that came alongside that and pastor brian in a lot of ways um took part in that discipleship process because he he and I met again during that time frame, towards the tail end of that time frame, mm-hmm. um, and so kind of apprenticing under him as uh, when he was serving as a worship pastor, really solidified a lot of those things and kind of just built on the foundation again that that my parents had laid, you know, years ago. How important is it in your walk that your parents set that example? Mm. Man, I can't. I can't even imagine a a life that does not include that foundation. That my, mm-hmm. Like I have no, I have no like paradigm for like how to imagine what my life would be like if my parents um, hadn't been, you know, um, hadn't encountered God in their college years and committed their lives to Him. Um, I mean, I'm sure they wouldn't have imagined that I'd go on to Bible college and seminary and, and go into to ministry. Um, and again, I didn't imagine that for myself either. Um, but I am so thankful that they instilled in me a love for for prayer, a love for um, for being with the body of Christ on a Sunday morning, for for reading uh, His Word. And uh, yeah, they it was it was a it was a home that was saturated in following Christ, but it never felt overbearing. I don't know how my parents did it because <laughs> I, I know like as a, as a father now, it's like, I'm trying to wrestle with how to, how to instill that kind of love and um, organic passion and, and love for Christ to grow naturally in, in mm-hmm. my son and in my family uh, without it being a chore. Um, and again, I don't know how my parents did it, but by the grace of God, they were, they were guided, um, in, in the right way to do it. And, uh, I'm, I'll eternally be thankful for that. Um, so I know that, uh, on the thrive, uh, live feed, we have, uh, uh, members of your family that watch from overseas. Mm-hmm. Were you born overseas or is your family from, uh, the States and, uh, how did that play in, uh, to your, your story? Yeah, so I'm I'm a first generation uh, immigrant, or depending on your definition of of migration, right, or maybe 1.5 generation. So I was born in nine, 1992, and I came to the United States in 1996. Okay. Um, 
so four years old uh, was when I came in. My my little sister was two. Kind of a crazy story. My mom went um, went ahead of us actually uh, with a couple of her nursing school graduate friends. Got settled here uh, for just shy of under a year, and then after that, again just shy under a year, my parent, my dad came with four year old me, two year old little sister by himself, first time on a plane ever. Hmm. Spent 18 hours traveling from the Philippines uh, to the U.S. Um, and yeah, it was just a story. It was a story of of um, of immigrants, uh, really. And so, um, yeah, I, I was not born here, so it was it was very interesting in that respect. Um, kind of trying to navigate how to live between two worlds, um, especially if in terms of finding what what my identity is, how I identify, how I identified, I was always um, seen as kind of a little bit of an outsider, but at the mm -hmm. same time on both ends as well. So it's like outsider here a little bit, because obviously I, I came from another country, but even when I went home back to the Philippines, I was also seen as a little bit of an outsider because I, I, I was growing up in America. So I mm -hmm. wasn't, you know, the same. So it was very interesting. And, and a lot of that, um, I'm still wrestling with a lot of that, but yeah, man, it's uh, it's one of those things where God is showing me what it means to live as an you know as an exile, as someone who who belongs here but has a has a has a home elsewhere. Those kinds right. of things really hit home um, through those experiences, and so it's kind of cool to to kind of yeah reflect on those things in light of what my story's been. Was there a hard transition? I mean, at four years old, you probably didn't notice it, but like for your parents coming into a foreign country, uh, connecting with a church, was that ever a challenge or were they able to connect right away? Really funny and in, uh, interesting stories. So when we first came, we didn't have a, a car when we moved to the south suburbs of Chicago. Um, we didn't have a car, but there was a church who would air its services on... Uh, on TV, TV channel 38 in South Sub, all of you South Suburban, you know, um, Chicago folks know that channel, um, probably know the church as well. Um, mm -hmm. But they would air their services and we would tune in every Sunday. And then we, when we finally got the car, uh, saved up enough money for it. And we att started attending that church. And literally, that's the only other church I've known aside from Thrive. Mm -hmm. um, and so it was, it's kind of cool that, that the, yeah, the 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 transition I think was uh was difficult. It, maybe a little bit more so for my parents, just because they were you know obviously adults. But um, it was a little bit difficult for me on, and and I'm sure um, a little bit for my sister as well. But maybe for the, just the identity aspect of things, mm -hmm. finding our place and things. Um, probably not so much the. Um, the actual, you know, language barrier or anything. Although it's interesting because I would find myself saying things in a very Filipino way. <laughs> and then my Amer American like classmates. And when I was in like elementary school would give me a weird look like that didn't make any sense. And then I said, Oh yeah, I was saying it in a way that it would make sense in my language, but it doesn't translate to, <laughs> to English. So yeah, those moments, those things, but um, yeah, nothing that was a, a major roadblock or anything in terms of, of that so you, you uh, come in uh to the states and then uh you're uh, right away involved in church as soon as you guys have a car and then uh, from what i remember on monday it wasn't very long before you really dove into being plugged into the church and started uh really not just being a consumer but being a contributor to the church uh tell us how that happened how did you first uh and maybe it's kind of a repeat of what we talked about earlier in in the show but how do, how did you get motivated to first start excuse me start working in the church and, and serving yeah yeah i don't think i touched on this particular aspect on monday but i actually initially started out in kids ministry dave mm -hmm. i was um i was basically one of the junior leaders uh, essentially of uh the, the the kids pastor at my at the previous church that that we were at prior to thrive uh, and that's when i really got the 
got to experience actually being in kind of like a, you know, quote unquote, ministry leadership uh, mm -hmm. position. I would help with leading worship. I'd help, you know, set up, tear down of kids church, help teach object lessons, obviously with, you know, a lot of help from the, the children's pastor. They didn't just, you know, let a 12-year-old teach, you know, six-year-olds or anything like that. But it was really cool because it was, um, yeah, it was another form of uh, of apprenticeship and, and, and you know, um, discipleship and training that I think really instilled in me um, a love for ministry and also in, um, helped me see that, um, the, like, the the backstage part of ministry, uh, right? It's not all glamour. It's, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of, uh, you know, sweat and tears sometimes. Um, and, and that continued on into, you know, youth ministry, uh, got a little bit more plugged in in actually leading worship as well for my peers. And then I, I mentioned already, once I moved you know, away from, from youth group and into, you know, a kind of adult ministry, just apprenticing under pastor Brian, um, uh, as well. Uh, and so it, it was a gradual thing, but, uh, but yeah, early on, I was fairly involved in, um, in some sort of ministry, uh, aspect. What have you found has been, uh, the hardest thing about being in ministry and about serving? Yeah. Um, I think honestly, part of it, a large of a large part of it is, um, seeing individuals or, um, or groups of indi individuals not catching, uh, the vision. And I'm not saying the vision of, you know, thrive church or this particular ministry, but, um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of burnout that we, that we talk about that can happen from a ministry leadership position. Uh, mm -hmm. But I think uh, a level of burnout can also be seen at a congregation level, especially in a in a, in a church plant. Um, and so, it's it's those moments of oh, this person or these people kind of lost sight of why we're we're working so hard, why there there's so much blood, sweat, and tears as we're setting up on a Sunday morning, mm -hmm. or or walking through this painful season of discipleship, um, you know, with with this person. Um, and they kind of maybe not fall away, but, you know, kind of take a step back from things. It's like, oh, no, we were we, we were making such progress and we were, you know, doing such good, you know, such good things for the kingdom and, and just growing these individual people and kind of encouraging them and helping them grow in their walk with Christ. Uh, and so it's it's it's, a, it's painful to see those um, those moments. Um, and you know, you, you let the Holy spirit do his work, right. Mm -hmm. You can, you can only do so much, uh, and you're only responsible for so much, but at the end of the day, it's the Holy spirit who, who, um, who guides people and is the, the main catalyst for, for action. Yeah. And that has to be hard, uh, for, you know, especially in leadership, those moments where, you've poured into a certain ministry or even a certain person and then they get a feeling of burnout or even just feeling overwhelmed and they kind of step back and uh it's learning I, I guess it's hard to learn to let go of the reins and like oh this is actually god's person or god's mm -hmm. ministry yeah. yeah i should i should clarify it and i'm not talking about burnout just of, of fatigue because that naturally happens right but mm -hmm. I, I guess what i'm talking about is they've yeah they've lost any motivation, I guess, to continue in the hard work uh, mm. that we're doing uh, because maybe they don't see that it's worth it or they've gotten so discouraged to the point where it's like, you know, why even bother continuing Th that, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so how do you fight that? How do you fight those moments? Because having been with Thrive, you've been basically four out of, uh, out of the five years setting up and tearing down every Sunday how have you fought that burnout of having to be up early and stay through and, and work through all that? Hmm. Yeah. The, um, the main thing is keeping the vision clear. Um, hmm. and I think pastor Brian does a really good, good job of that. He, if you know anything about pastor Brian, you know, he's got a heart for the people of Lockport, you know, he's got a hmm. heart for the people of our church and it's contagious. 
right? You can, <laughs> you can, you can try to avoid it, but uh, for someone like you know, at least in my position, who who works pretty closely with him in terms of, um, yeah, of of discipling and and pastoring the church, and it's hard not to catch that vision. Um, yeah. So seeing that always at the forefront, I think, is a really big source of encouragement. Um, and then probably the the other thing is something I learned in, in seminary is exegeting your people and that i can explain that basically it's learning how to read your people knowing um knowing that their actions and their you know their words um you know whether or not they show up on a sunday morning consistently um isn't isn't all there is right there's something behind that um yeah. you know maybe god's working uh in them and through them in a particular way that that you can't see and and learning how to to discern that um, helps helps in those seasons of of maybe discouragement, like I was saying, where it's like, hey, this person's really not getting it. I feel like they're losing the vision, sort of thing. And it's like, oh no, you know, he or she went through these situations in their life recently. Maybe God's working in them through yeah. that. So it's a combination of those things: keeping the vision in front front of you, and then you know, really knowing your your people, knowing the people you're you're discipling and you're shepherding. Um, yeah. Yeah. Great. Um, so we, I, I neglected to actually really discuss it uh, much. We, we kind of glossed over, but uh, you recently had an episode of the questions from the pew podcast uh, that uh, many in the church might look at as controversial because you, uh, of the guests that you brought on and the message that she brought. Um but I think it's, again, one of those uncomfortable conversations and those uncomfortable topics that we in the church need to have and be open to hearing from, quote unquote, the other side. Mm -hmm. uh, so tell us a little bit about the episode Pray Away, uh, episode th uh, season three, uh, episode six. Uh, it came out in August, uh, but it obviously is still available on your, uh, your, your show. Uh, tell us about how that happened and about what that show addressed. Yeah. So we were actually approached by um, by a company that does like press releases for um, for films and documentaries, and Pray Away is a documentary uh, about the gay conversion therapy uh, movement uh, that was um, in the early early two thousands, maybe late nineties. Uh, and the basic concept is that through um, th certain spiritual practices through prayer maybe casting out of demons in terms of um in maybe in some circles um that you could pray you know the, the line the line was to pray the gay away that mm -hmm. your homosexual tendencies or feelings however you want to describe them uh could be resolved and um um abolished i guess by these certain spiritual uh practices uh, and a lot of it came um through that a lot of spiritual abuse uh came mm. to people and it really drove them from the church um and a lot right. of them didn't make their way back to the church um and so the documentary is focused on that and the and and how the evangelical church um really it shed light on the ways on the shortcomings of how we approached of how the evangelical church approached a, a very heavy uh, and nuanced um issue uh, mm -hmm. especially one that's so closely tied with a person's identity um right and so that's what the documentary focused on um and without giving spoilers um there were certain parts of the documentary that we could that Lucas and my co-host and I could agree with um, and the, we, we could agree with the director on, but at the end of the day, we're approaching the topic from a biblical standpoint as, as Christians. Um, and so the, the stance of the documentary was that the church was at fault for trying to change uh, these people or trying to think that these people could uh, change at all. Um, while we, would say that you know certainly the church messed up in terms of how we acted out on the doctrine uh, that we believe is biblical and theologically faithful. We messed up on the on the practical side of things, but we still believe that the Holy Spirit can change a person mm -hmm. from you know from 
from the old to the new, from the dead to to the living, right? And, and it might look different per you know for a person, um, you know, one person. It might be that they they're able to to reject those those feelings, uh, while other people might not experience those feelings at all. It's mm-hmm. that it's um it, it's dangerous when you use a large blanket to cover a nuanced um, right. issue and and say this is the end result. Um, because again, it, it comes with a lot of spiritual abuse. It ends up coming with a lot of spiritual abuse. So that was it. Was really it was different from any other conversation that we have had at that point because mm-hmm. of that. So the director is coming from a very different um, uh, vantage point, from a different standpoint than we were. Our guests usually are at least <laughs> believers. Right. They might, you know, differ with us on again secondary issues on those practical things, but. Um, yeah, this is a this was a fundal fundamental disagreement at the end of the day from the premise of of the documentary, and so hopefully we were able to discuss those nuanced issues and bring some clarity and say, you know what, yeah, we probably shouldn't have done these things, you know, as, as an evangelical church, but we still hold firmly to the to the truth that God changes people, uh, whatever that change looks like. And I think that was. The- the one of the fundamental disagreements uh, of her stance and you and uh, Lucas's uh, stance is that God can't change people. Where her perspective is that you're born a certain way, there is no change. There is no and, it, and it's wrong for you to try to change people. Right. Yeah. And that that that's unfortunate because if you hold to that, then you believe that if you're an alcoholic, you're never going to change. If you're uh, somebody that has whatever bad habits or whatever addictions or whatever vices that you're stuck there. And that's a very hopeless position. Mm. Yeah. And, um, but it, it was one of those examples where we talked about earlier, the questions from the Pew show is about those tough questions, those tough discussions. And maybe you come to a, a consensus, maybe you don't, but the tone of your interview left very amicable. It wasn't, uh, she hung up the phone and, or, you know, there wasn't a blow up. There was a moment of, of the like, Hey, thank you so much. Uh, and it was just a really, uh, and it proves that we can have those conversations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it, honestly, it, um, I think the, the evangelical church or maybe the church as a whole is seen as very, can be seen as very arrogant, uh, maybe, um, and so having conversations like those and being able to humbly say, you know what, you know, we might disagree on certain fundamental things, but one thing maybe that we can agree on are, you know, the way we went about that was wrong. It was ineffective, did not bring glory to God or the gospel or, or the way that we, um, the Holy Spirit does bring about change. Um, and so, I mean, hopefully it was a, it was a conversation that showed that, you know, individual Christians, if not, you know, church, the church as a whole can, can, can confess when we've messed up on the, the practice of our faith. Um, but certainly we won't apologize for, um, what we believe, you know, um, about our faith, about God, about how he works in individuals, how he sanctifies us to the point of uh, the goal of glorification, all, all those things that we won't back, back down on. Right. Absolutely. And uh, to find questions from the Pew and the other podcasts and productions that are uh, part of World Outspoken, uh, you can visit it at worldoutspoken.com, all one word, worldoutspoken.com. And if you pull down the menu, look for podcasts, you'll find questions from the Pew, uh, or you can find the link in our show notes uh, for questions from the Pew. Uh, so, Riker, I, I warned you on Monday about when we first started recording that um, there are two final segments of the show. Uh, The first is called the interrogation, which is seven uh, random quick questions that otherwise probably wouldn't have fit in with the uh, rest of the conversation. And then I'll also ask you your wise counsel for anybody uh, who wants to use their gifts or talents or passions or even just their experiences uh, all for God's glory. So I'll ask you that uh, after we finish the interrogation uh, (laughs) coming up now. All right. So our first question, uh, we talked about burnout. So you got to have some fun things that you do to avoid that. Uh, what are your hobbies? Um, I like camping when I get the chance to. 
but that usually only happens like once or twice a year. So um, usually what I like to do is just uh, read. I've got, yeah, the, this bookshelf <laughs> uh, behind me. So yeah, when I, when I get the chance to squeeze in some time to, to read. Nice. The, the question was uh, going to be, is that a backdrop or are those really, uh, is that your real library? Yeah, this is just a green screen. <laughs> <laughs> One of my uh, uh, friends, a comedy uh, uh, friend, uh, June Von Colson, uh, was you know, talking a little bit about uh, what we were discussing. She said that owning our mistakes is a ministry in itself, uh, enjoying this interview. So, uh, June Bug, thanks for jumping in. And, and absolutely, learning to own your mistakes is definitely uh, a ministry in of itself because too often... Uh, pride gets in the way we don't want to own our mistakes we want to just shuffle them off so good point there uh from june bug all right uh, our a second question is uh favorite musician or band hmm okay and okay. even even though you're an associate pastor you don't have to find the most christian band you can think of if you you know whatever the answer is um okay man i've uh I'm a music guy, so this is this has evolved over over the years. But one band that has remained constant for me is U2. I don't oh. know. That's just yeah. It's a. Uh, I, I listen to them more in certain seasons than others, maybe. But somehow it just cycles back to, especially the Joshua Tree album. And maybe maybe I'm just being super basic at that point. It's like oh, everyone loves the Joshua Tree album, but. Those are just some of my uh, favorite songs. Nice. Nothing wrong with that. One of my favorite albums is Pearl Jam 10. And I can still admit that even though I'm <laughs> sanctified and saved. Uh, so uh, question number three, other than Jesus, uh, which is too obvious, uh, from whom in the Bible have you learned the most? Hmm. Jonah, I think. Um, at this point, I can say Jonah um, from from the standpoint of what not to do. Right. <laughs> um, and he was a an anti-prophet if there ever was one. Right. Uh, where where he could make a mistake, he did. Um, and so his mistakes really showed me, OK, this is not the heart of a pastor. This is not this is someone who's lost the vision, as I was saying earlier. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but not only that, through even through his failings, through his mess ups, man, God's character remained consistent in the four chapters of the book of Jonah. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of beautiful to see that God, yeah, God is, can be glorified even in our in our shortcomings as well. Absolutely. And he can use even the most stubborn a person to to reach a people. Mm -hmm. And for me, I the and that's one of the beauties of the bible what kind of verifies its authenticity is the heroes aren't always true heroes they're they're broken mm -hmm. fallen people just like the rest of us and you look at jonah and he resisted going and even at the end he wasn't happy necessarily at the end that that he had done this good work yeah uh so you kind of wonder where his heart was when he got to the yeah. you know, got to the throne room uh, finally but still it just shows that god can use whoever and whenever, and uh, you don't have to be perfect for God to be able to use you. So mm -hmm. I, I think that's a good answer. Yeah. Number four, uh, what would you most like to do over? Uh, is there a moment in life that uh, you want to go back and say, I missed that. I, I swung and missed on that one. Oh, are you, are you asking about like, in terms of something I regret and I would change or something that was so good that I just want to do it again? Actually, it could be either one. Okay. Huh. Well, I'll I'll answer the first one where it's like the 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 regretful one um, is the three years of high school. Mm. Um, I feel like I just wasted a lot of time trying to find, kind of basically wandering. <laughs> Again, I wasn't I wasn't like sinful or rebellious. It was just I was just plateaued. I was stagnating. Yeah. Um, and I feel like I I lot I wasted a lot of time. I'm sure. You know, you know, give me five, 10 years. God will show me how he was, you know, forming me and transforming me through that season. But, you know, at this point, I was like, man, I could, I could, uh, I could stand to do that over again. Um, 
but in terms of something that was just so good that I would do it over again. Um, hmm. Probably, probably, and who knows, for those of you who are have been married for longer than, you know, the five years or so that I have, the, the first, uh, the first, the early years of, of my marriage, uh, I think uh, I would do over again, because it, it was just a time of growing and kind of exploring who we were as, uh, as a couple. Um, mm -hmm. And that was, a, that time coincided with um, Thrive Church starting as well. So, you know, we were this young couple, young ministry couple planting a church with Pastor Brian and Angela um and and kind of just the fun that comes along with that ride so yeah that was a fun season yeah good uh question number five what has been your proudest moment i know that uh pastors never uh can experience pride but uh we'll we'll, we'll dive in anyway uh what's been your proudest moment hmm um i think so this is, I guess, to, to brag on my wife, Hannah, a little bit as well. And this is a little bit more recent, but uh, I mentioned earlier that, that my parents, I don't know how they did it, but I'm super thankful that they were able to create a home in which an, an organic love for God developed in me. Mm -hmm. um, and a few months ago, Judah, our two-year-old, almost three-year-old, um, asked is God in my heart just randomly. Hmm. Um, and, and we, I mean, so we read to him, we pray with him every night, we sing worship songs together. And obviously he's, you know, there every Sunday um, with us uh, for church. But yeah, that was the first time out of the blue, he asked, is God in my heart? And Hannah and I kind of looked at each other. It's like, oh my goodness, is this happening? He's only two though. Um, and so we kind of followed it up. It's like, well, he, he can be, he can be in your life. He can be in your heart if you want. Would you like him to be? And he goes, yeah. It's like it was, it was like one of those like first things like I think we're hopefully we're doing something right where he's the one coming to us yeah uh, sort of thing so that was a that was a proud dad proud parent moment um, that that we experienced recently nice instead of the terrible twos it's uh you know the uh, the Trinity twos <laughs> yeah he's asking <laughs> questions about theology hey there you go <laughs> All right, question number six what habits or quirks do you have that Hannah teases you about hmm. I am, I am very OCD about hygiene. Hmm. Um, so much so that I don't know if you or any of your listeners have ever seen the show New Girl. Um, it was on Fox a couple of years ago, but there's a character. His name is Schmidt, and he is very OCD about everything as well. His clothes need to be pressed and, you know, no dust on the countertop. Everything needs to be sanitary, that sort of thing. And uh, she calls me him. He, she calls me Schmidt sometimes when I get <laughs> OCD about uh, certain things. And, and, and her family knows and my family, my side of the family knows as well. So it's kind of a, a, a nice thing to laugh about. <laughs> yeah. And, it can, and you, you asked about habits or, or quirks, but uh, there are so many that fall under that, that category. So I'll just put it under the OCD category. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Final question of the interrogation. Uh, what's one feature that you would love to see in Thrive's permanent home? Hmm. Oh, wow. I feel like there are so many that we've talked about in terms of like dreams. Oh, we'd love to have this as a part. Um. I think the um, some sort of ministry center where it's not um, not a ministry in terms of you know a, a small group or um, something inward focused towards the church, but something outward focused towards the community. Whether that's a you know a halfway house, whether that's a, a you know a food pantry or something like that. And I know that's you know something that's on that's been on Pastor Brian and Angela's hearts as well. And I think that's um, that's something, honestly, that is a part of, of our church's identity, the fact mm -hmm. that we will really want to serve the community, not just to serve the community for, you know, for services sake or community sake, but 
to show what it means to have a life transformed by the gospel, by the Holy Spirit, and the fact that we embody the kingdom of God in Lockport. You yeah. know I mean, and we can show what it means to have God on the throne. You know, your your needs are are met. You know, we come alongside you. We cry with you. We rejoice with you. You know, we feed you if you're hungry. We clothe you if you're naked. We take in the orphans. Those sorts of things. So it could be broad. I don't know what, you know, that would look like. But man, some sort of ministry outward focused like that. Um, yeah. And, and have, have it physically seen as well at, at, the, at the church location. Uh, that'd be really cool. And that's one of the amazing things about the story of Thrive Church is that in many respects, Thrive wasn't necessarily wanted in Lockport. Um, there was uh, some feeling like we have enough churches. We already have an Assemblies of God church. And through that faithfulness and that willingness to be out there and to serve and to help and to be the, the hands and feet in the community, um, we've basically won over the leadership in Lockport to, uh, to be welcomed and even be called upon when there's a need in the community. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, between uh, Pastor Brian and, and yourself, the, the, the work of building and maintaining a portable church it literally starts at the top and, and you and, and, and Pastor Brian definitely lead by example. And it's really a, a very cool thing to see both pastors getting sweaty, the, the blood, sweat and tears out there uh, each and every Sunday, carrying the heavy load and then leading in grace without getting that burnout or that, that anger. So it's really very cool to see that all come together and, and uh, praying that God rewards that with a permanent building so that the ministry can, can continue mm -hmm. and to have that ministry center. Definitely. So uh, I have the, uh, the, um, the social media uh, link uh, posted, uh, Find Thrive Church at Encounter Thrive on Instagram and Facebook. Um, we'd love to connect with you. We'd love to see you on a Sunday. Uh, you can also watch the live stream on our Facebook page each Sunday at 10. Um, but the final question I ask every guest, uh, for anyone that's looking to step up, use their gifts and those gifts can be their talents, their passions, their experiences, whatever those gifts are that God, that God has given, uh, how, what, what would your wise counsel be for them to use them for his glory? Hmm. Yeah. Um, this might be pretty broad, but man, listen for God's. Um, direction is I think mm -hmm. the greatest counsel that I can give and that's a that's a two-pronged piece of advice one is obviously you know just discerning God's call God's direction from him you know directly in times of prayer in times of of reading scripture um, but then also you know he he surrounds you with people who have been in the faith longer than you have who who can see your gifts and talents so you can't discount uh them either um in terms of the advice they give the direction that they can give uh you know people who have uh, spoken into my life and confirmed the gift and callings on my life really um they didn't supplant, they didn't overshadow the the direction that I felt like I was getting um, from God, but confirmed them. Um, and mm -hmm. so God uses, you know, obviously um, um, uh, communication with you in, in various means, you know, through prayer, again, through, through scripture reading. Uh, but then he also sends people and, um, yeah, individuals your way to kind of confirm those. And so... You know, the, the if the heart for ministry uh, is there, God's going to use it somewhere, uh, yeah. right? Uh, and so, uh, being able to to listen well uh, on both of those fronts, I think, is is pretty key. And being humble enough to to kind of take those uh, those directions, even if the, using your gifts in a particular way or in a particular setting might uh, might not match with you know what God has in mind, um, being humble enough to kind of say, okay, yeah, I submit to, to your will, not mine. Cause God's still got plenty of whales to swallow you if you don't want to <laughs> use them the right way. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Riker, thank you so much for uh, coming back on and uh, sharing your story. 
uh, you are and, and Pastor Brian both are truly appreciated and valued in Thrive Church and, and in the Lockport community. Uh, so it's an honor to, to, as a children's pastor, serve alongside you in our church and and just really excited to see what God does because Thrive has proven to be faithful uh, following the uh, the pillar of fire or the cloud of smoke uh, from place to place, mm -hmm. setting up and tearing down the tabernacle uh, and realizing that the Levites are basically God's roadies. <laughs> in a <laughs> desert. In a <the laughs> desert. Yeah. But uh, thank you so much for coming on. And for those of uh, uh, you that follow the show, tomorrow night, uh, we actually have uh, another show, our regular scheduled Monday night show. We'll have uh, Robert Alanis. Uh, he's a director. He's a writer. And he's got a new movie coming out, Honest to God, filmed here in the Chicagoland area. Uh, so we'll have him on uh, next uh, show, which is tomorrow night, uh, Monday night, the um, 24th. Fifth, yeah, I have to look at my calendar. Um, and then also just a, a quick reminder uh, for those in the Chicagoland area or anybody that just wants to support, uh, we have RFK Comedy Night. Thanks for giving uh, November 6th at the Roxy, 7.30 p.m. Uh, details at rfkcomedynight.eventbrite.com. Uh, you can uh, you can buy a ticket and pay it forward or you can donate directly to uh, Royal Family Kids Camp. Uh, every dollar uh, from the Comedy Night uh goes towards providing an awesome camp next summer in uh, July. Uh, so, uh, Riker, thank you again for uh, joining us. And for everyone Thanks else, for uh, that's, I'm sorry, go ahead. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate uh, it. Absolutely. Uh, it, was a, it was an honor and a pleasure. And uh, we'll talk to you guys uh, tomorrow night.